Well, welcome. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor here. want to welcome those watching in Issaquah and Duval and online as well. We are in this series, Comeback, and we're looking at when you're thinking isn't right. Uh, you can probably identify, you know someone in your life that they don't always think right. You know that, right? Yes. You know, any, you know at least one man, right? That would be true of them. Uh, well, there are some things uh, that you can see, inventions and products. I came across these, and I was thinking, you know, I'm just not sure uh, about some of these. What, tell me what you think about them. Uh, this one is the first one. Uh, it, how do you like that? Can you see what's going on there? Now, I'm thinking I'm going to be able to use that in the future there, uh, the uh, hat hair there. And this one was sort of a weird one. Uh, it came across the pet petter. It's like never touch your pets again. I don't even know why you would have a pet. These are real products, by the way. Uh, and, and now, now this one, I don't know. It borders on cruelty. I was thinking about this one uh, for the crib dribbler. <laughs> and you know what? There are some tired moms who are thinking, but I'm going to get it. <laughs> I know it's cruel, but I'm going to get it. And then, you know, again with kids, uh, you have, have you ever had it like you're afraid to let them play on your wood floors because they're dirty? <laughs> Solve two problems at once, isn't that? Yeah, not bad. Well, uh, we, we can all think of examples of uh, people where maybe the, their thinking wasn't right. And why is this such a big deal? is uh, because uh, what we think will impact uh, how we feel, and how we feel will impact what we do. Uh, you maybe heard of the story uh, a few years back of uh, JetBlue Airlines. There was all, all this hubbub over it with a flight attendant. There's some controversy over the story, but uh, the flight attendant uh, tells it this way, that, that they were basically on this plane and there was a passenger who wouldn't sit down when they were supposed to sit down. Any of you ever do that? Like you get your luggage when you're not supposed to? Yeah, we all do that every once in a while. And, uh, uh, but basically, the luggage hit the flight attendant on the head. Uh, and then the flight attendant... Uh, said, hey, you need to apologize, and uh, the lady didn't apologize, and actually, the flight attendant says she started cussing at him. Well, no one disputes what happens next. I don't know if you remember this from the news. Uh, he grabbed the mic and started cussing out the person in the entire plane and saying, I've done this for 20 years. I'm tired of all you rude people, and then after, puts the mic down takes the door, the side door, opens it up, the, uh, the uh, ramp di uh, dispatches, the flight attendant grabs two beers from first class and slides down the plane. I am not kidding, this really happened. And in fact, uh, surprise, surprise, there were some legal problems afterwards. And to raise money, uh, he sold this t-shirt <laughs> yeah, let it slide, let it slide. Well, we can all think of uh, times when people weren't thinking right. Uh, what we're going to look at today is an account from the Bible, a guy named uh, Jonah. And uh, we're going to get into a, a lot of that. Uh, we're going to look at one aspect of Jonah. I actually did a whole series about seven years ago on Jonah. But I'm going to look at one particular aspect, and that's how uh, he was thinking. And you know uh, the story 
of uh, Jonah, right? It's sort of the whole idea of Jonah and this guy, he throws overboard, uh, he gets swallowed by a whale, he has dad's name is Geppetto, and he becomes a real boy, right? No, (laughs) but it seems like that. It seems like, is this sort of a fairy tale? This is sort of getting this mixed up. Uh, And what I want to do before we even go into the story is uh, I want to really look at that because some of you were raised in church, I wasn't. So, and maybe so I don't have the same biases uh, that some of you have. Uh, See, here's my deal, is I figure that if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can keep a guy alive in a tuna for a few days. You know, that that, that could happen. But there's some of you who'd say, no, I think it's more of a a parable of sorts and... uh, uh, you know, you, you, you can go there, and, and I understand that, uh, but you don't have to pretend to believe anything uh, to be here. You really don't. In fact, I, I think one of the hallmarks of our church is that we can be intellectually honest about our faith uh, and then come to a place of very uh, deep faith. I've actually heard uh, accounts People would say, well, you know, scientifically, someone could live inside a, a whale for three days, and there's arguments over that. There, that, that would be, you know, virtually impossible for, for that to happen. But the point of this story isn't that you can go ahead and take a ride inside a fish. The point is that God did a miracle of biblical proportions, and in fact, Jesus actually talks about this as if it's a real uh, event. So, so we read this in Matthew uh, 12, verse 40. It says this, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so Jesus compares it to his own death and resurrection. But the goal isn't to uh, debate uh, whether this is uh, a historical account, as Jesus talked about it, and really I believe or anything else of that nature, but to really learn from Jonah uh, the, the anatomy of a bad decision, because uh, we see that in Jonah. So what, if you haven't taken your outlines out, I want you to take them out of your programs, and we're going to look at this incredible biblical account, the first two chapters, and I think there's a lot that we can learn. Here's what we read. The word of uh, the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So uh, Jonah hears from God. Uh, We don't know uh, how he heard from God, but it was a, a voice that he didn't doubt was from God that God had told him to do something. And uh, what he does is instead he goes the opposite direction. And in fact, uh, the city that he's heading to, he was supposed to go to Nineveh, Tarshish is 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Well, uh, why would he uh, not want to go there? We find out later in the book that the Assyrians, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Actually, it's modern-day Mosul, Iraq. So we're very familiar because of what's going on in Iraq. And uh, not much has changed in that neighborhood of the world. Uh, Lots of uh, characters there who do some pretty mean things and horrible things. The Ninevites... uh, 
It, it was reported that cities, would people would take their own lives rather than be conquered by them because they were the cruelest of all people. That uh, when they conquered a city, they would uh, skin people alive, they would bury them in the sand, and they would take their tongues and then uh, pull them out and, and spike them in so they would just feel the heat of the sun, and then they'd miss, make them listen to Justin Bieber. It was it was horrible. No, the, uh, uh, no, they didn't really do that. They weren't that cruel. So the, uh, no, they, but what happened is they would do these horrible things. And Jonah says, I don't even want to be anywhere near. And so before you get too uh, hard on Jonah, you just have to understand uh, what was happening and, and we've been there before, maybe, where God is, we felt like God has told us to do something, and it's really pretty clear, maybe it's something we read in Scripture, where it talks about, uh, you know, forgive as I forgave you, and you're like, yeah, I'll do that someday, but not today, and not for that person, that, uh, where you're to be generous, and you're like, okay, yeah, but maybe that's not for now, or it talks about uh, areas of moral purity, and you're like, yeah, but you know, that's so hard, this was written so long ago. And we all have our areas, we all have our place, if we're honest, and, I, and my guess is virtually every one of us would have one, where we can find ourselves running in the opposite direction of where God has called us to go. Well, here's what happens is God doesn't let uh, Jonah off the hook that easily. Uh, we read in Jonah 1, 4, and 5, the Lord uh, sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break, break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And so uh, we, we have, there's this incredible storm that happens, uh, and God has given some pretty clear direction to Jonah. And what happens next is, I think, very instructive. In fact, Gary Oliver wrote a book on what happens when someone goes through a failure, especially uh, a moral failure. It could be any kind of failure. And what he writes is exactly uh, what we see Jonah go through in a very typical response to a bad choice. In fact, I, I've often said and I've seen that when we make a bad choice, when we sin against someone, that often we have a harder time than when we're sinned against. Because then this weird dynamics happen, we have to justify ourselves, figure out why that person is bad. And, in, and maybe, honestly, you're very, very angry at someone right now. And it could be very legitimately something happened to you. But it is equally as possible, maybe more so, that there's something that you've done that you haven't come to terms with. And that's why you're so, and you say, what, I just saved you like three or four grand in counseling right then and there. So yeah, go ahead and yeah, you do it, put in the offering. And so the, uh, <laughs> so, but really, that, and that happened, that's not rare at all. In fact, I would call it very commonplace. In fact, the first thing that'll happen is withdrawal, uh, where people will uh, do that. Uh, we see this uh, with Jonah, and it says, but Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And that's not the kind of sleep that's like a happy sleep. It's actually akin to the sleep of death. 
As a pastor, I've seen this early on when in ministry, uh, uh, my wife and I have pastored for over 20 years now, and, and someone would, would leave the church and uh, would, would like, I I'd really, I always, you know, sort of took that personally and like, what was going on? And man, was it something I said in my last sermon or, you know, what, what was going, and we would find out more often than not, in fact, most of the times, it was, oh, they were going through marriage problems and they were getting a divorce. There was a drug addiction. There was a moral failure. They got drunk at a party and said something stupid and were afraid to come back. And so now when someone leaves, I figured you had a moral failure, you got drunk at a party. <laughs> you know, I just, that's sort of my assume, what I assume every time. Well, <laughs> then there's denial and blame. Uh, this is a very classic, this is so classic, and, and isn't it interesting that modern psychology has proven scientifically this process, and it's right here in the pages of the Scripture. Uh, and, and that's why I, I really uh, see God's hand in that. Uh, here's what uh, we read. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. The lot fell on Jonah. Uh, so they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making this trouble for us. And it, now, it's sort, of, it's sort of interesting what, it, what is happening here. Uh, he could have confessed early on. He's hoping, basically, that someone else is going to take the rap at this point. And, uh, it, you know, you've, we've all gotten caught. Uh, I remember the first fight I ever got in. Uh, yes, I know it's hard for you to believe the gentle man of God that I am. Uh, but I was like in third grade, and there was like this big kid, and I thought it would be a good idea to punch him for some reason, and probably because my friends, my so-called friends, were egging me on, and then so it turned into like this little, like a mini riot on the playground yard in third grade, and so we all got called into the principal's office. Back then, by the way, this is, some of you are going to realize how old I am, but some of you will remember this. The principal had a paddle in his office. And he would use it on people. And so, you know, we were there, and no one would cop to it. And there was one kid who always got in trouble. And uh, so uh, principal just made the assumption it was him. And he was about to get spanked unless I confessed. And so I thought, you know what? I need to confess. I was thinking that as I was preparing this sermon. So today I'm confessing that it was me. Uh, I do feel bad about it. Uh, yeah, I feel bad about that kid. That's okay. Probably ended up in jail. So the, I know. But then, back to the manuscript. Okay, uh, partial confession is another one. So we see that here. Uh, not, notice what uh, Jonas says here. He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Isn't that awesome? But do you know what that tells you? Nothing. He says, yeah, I worship the, the creator God, the real God, but he doesn't say anything that he's done or he's about. And I've seen that. I call this peeling the onion. Uh, every once in a while, I'll do, uh, you know, talk to people in counseling and... Uh, it's sort of like, okay, well, did you do anything? Well, yeah, sort of, and there's one layer. And then there's another, and you just got to peel it. Because here's what happens most of the time. We always come forward with the truth, truth, but just enough to get us out of trouble. And not enough to clean up our heart and our soul and to repair our relationships. 
and to where we'll really let God enter our mind and we'll be thinking in the right way again. And, and then, then we see this is uh, Jonah then goes to overreaction. Uh, and uh, we, we read what happens next in this account. It says, uh, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. Now, now hold on right there. There were other alternatives. <laughs> there really were. You're like, oh, that's just what happens because maybe you've read the story before. Here's one. He could have said, maybe we should turn the ship around. And honestly, I truly believe that, that was God's intention. Yeah, okay, I'm just trying to get your attention. You throw the, and he goes, no, I'm just, I just better. Be. And, and you know, this, this overreaction, just like partial confession, we can, we can think, oh no, that's really cleansing my soul. You know, it really isn't. It's not obeying God. It's another form of manipulation. Instead of saying, no, God, I, I'm not thinking right. Or maybe, maybe with uh, your parents, you know, for a teenager, it would, it, it would be, well, you, you know, you must hate me. No, I just sort of want to know where you're at, and why don't you text me to tell me where you're at? Uh, a spouse who says, uh, uh, well, you're just trying to control me. No, I just, you know, just interested when you're going to lunch with people at work, just sort of interested who I'm your spouse, and that would be a norm. I'm not trying to control you. An overreaction is really, you know what the goal of overreaction is? Primarily, control and shut down conversation. And so, uh, now, for, unfortunately, the sailors did not have my sermon or modern psychology, and so they throw them into the sea. <laughs> and that's what happened. And uh, then, it's interesting if you read uh, the next verse, what happens there is you would think, okay, you know, then God punishes him, uh, and then this is uh, what we read here. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And the Lord provided. That was, you know, God saying, you know, hey, you know, we haven't gotten to submarines yet. There any? It's God's provision to save him. Yet, yeah, is, it, is it a hard provision? Absolutely. But the part that you miss in the children's story is that this is God rescuing Jonah. He's saving his life, and he performs a miracle, the one that's given on the same level of like a resurrection miracle of Jesus to preserve his life. And sometimes I was thinking about that in my own life, and just in the conversations I have with people and thinking, the ways that God provides that doesn't seem like provision at all. And maybe it's a diagnosis from a doctor who's like, hey, what's that lump? And, and you find out there's cancer there. And in a sense, that's a provision because it's found early enough and you're able to get treatment. Or maybe like even your insurance benefit for counseling. Maybe that's one of the ways that God is providing for you. Maybe you're involved in some stuff you shouldn't be and you get caught, and maybe what God is doing is helping you before you go too far down that road. And I think, I just look at my own life, and I'm sure many of us are the same way, is it's not the provision we would choose, 
but we're glad that God does provide for us. So uh, what I want to do with uh, the rest of our time is, is I want to look at the reaction that we find of Jonah. And, and I think really a template of sorts for us when we're not thinking right, when maybe we're doing some things that are, uh, it could be an area of addiction or uh, uh, problems in a, in a, at a workplace or a marriage relationship. And, and how do we find our way back? We see what happens for Jonah uh, is, one, is that he prays expectantly, uh, that Jonah prays expectantly. Uh, we read this, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And uh, there's great, you know, what did Jonah pray? Uh, you know, th- theologians debate. Uh, I always go for, he was probably praying, God, let me come out the same end I came in. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Some of you are you saying that's junior high humor. That's all I have for you, though. <laughs> but it, he's, he's uh, praying expectantly. And here's the key truth that we learn here is that uh, when you're far from God, when you've gone the wrong way, when you're in a place that you found yourself in that's difficult and hard and it seems like God is nowhere to be found, that God still hears your prayer. In fact, there's an old story, I, I don't know if I've ever shared this here before, about uh, J.C. Penney of the company J.C. Penney's, uh, the guy who founded the department store chain. And uh, many people don't know is he's struggled with uh, psychological and psychiatric problems uh, in a pretty severe way. And early on in his life, he was in a mental hospital. And uh, he, of all places, he, there were some people who were there and they were singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. And he describes that not only as a transformational relationship in his life to find, you know, obviously he founded one of the largest retailers in the world at the time, but where he reconnected with Jesus Christ in a personal way. So we pray expectantly, but then the second part is, is we simply need to uh, embrace your reality. Uh, embrace your reality uh, of where you're at. I was thinking about this uh, this week. I was visiting my uh, older brother, one of my older brothers. Uh, we're, we're not as close as uh, I would like to be. He's not a very religious guy, to put it in a pretty mild sense. And so he thinks it's, uh, you know, that I'm a little bit strange and with all that. But so, so uh, and I'll contact him. I, I don't hear that much from him. So it was really odd when I heard from him. And he said he was going to the hospital and he was having surgery. And long story short, he's, he's still there, but doing better, and he had eight inches of his, I think, intestine or something removed and all sorts of uh, bad stuff there. So he told everyone, don't visit, I'm going to be cranky. And, uh, but, you know, I sort of do what I want to. So he was there, and, and I know that it's sort of horrible to wake up alone because uh, he, he's divorced and it's sort of no one really in his life, and it's horrible to wake up alone. And so I drove down to Gig Harbor uh, where where he was in the hospital. I got there. Uh, I brought him uh, some books uh, uh, because he likes books, and I brought him the crayons to go with him. He's not a good reader. So, the, uh, so, so I, I bought him his books, and, uh, and I went to the hospital room, and he was asleep. And in one sense, I was thinking, okay, this is good. I did my thing, and I go write the card, 
hey, I was here just to let you know. And, and, and I thought, you know, I really need to be here. And so what I did is I sat on the bench across from his bed and I just waited. I was returning email on my phone. I was doing stuff. And he was sleeping, not like sleeping like, oh, I have having a nice sleep. But, oh, I had surgery and a lot of drugs in me. And so that's the kind of sleep he had. Well, uh, a nurse comes in quite a while later. And she was evidently loud enough where it sort of wakes him up. And he's sort of waking up but for like from this hard sleep and only one eye opens like this. And he sees me and there's this look of horror on his face that I couldn't imagine. And the other guy, and he's like this. And I think because I'm like the most religious person he knows, he thought he was in the afterlife at that point. <laughs> uh, and just from the look on his face, I think he thought he went to hell. So, <laughs> and so it was a it, very true story what happened. So he's like, oh, what are you doing there? And uh, we were able to have a long conversation. And uh, uh, we talked. And he, he allowed me to, which, which was great. I said, you know, I would like his super big pain. He is a pain, but he was in pain. And he had a lot of pain. I said, can I pray for you? And he said, I would love for you to pray for me. And uh, is that a step? Yeah, it's not all the way there. Uh, he was embracing a reality of his own mortality. And I think all of us do at some point or another. Uh, here's what Jonah says. He, he says, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Uh, I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will again look again, uh, toward your holy temple. So, so he's, he's basically saying in that, if you, if you look at the passage, he's saying, yeah, I'm in this horrible place. I was like about to die. And even though uh, it was the sailors that threw me overboard, God, I know that you allowed this to happen and that you were getting my attention. And he was embracing that painful reality. And sometimes embracing that painful reality can be the clearest way we can think in our life. The painful reality of, yeah, my boyfriend or my girlfriend has an anger problem, and I see where this is going to go if we ever move on in the relationship, if something doesn't change. There's painful realities that are the hardest and the best things to embrace. Maybe the painful reality is, you know, hey, I'm living well beyond my, my means. I'm trying to keep up with people who have different jobs than I do, and, and I'm, that, that's, that's just not where we're at. Those painful realities can be freeing. Now, for, now for Jonah, it, it was interesting. One of the realities that he also embraced, he said, yet I will again look towards your holy temple. See, the reality he embraced, he said, I believe that God is big enough, that God will deliver me from this place that I'm, I'm in. And, you know, how long do you think it took Jonah to uh, really repent? You think it took him three days? I think it took him like 30 seconds. Uh, but that process was a process for him to come to terms with what had gotten him where he was at. And for him to come to terms with that God was bigger than with what he was currently dealing with in his, in his life. Doesn't it make sense 
that if God loves you and He could not get His attention, your attention with His grace and mercy, that He would allow you to go through some difficult circumstances. It, there's an interesting uh, verse in the Bible. It's in Joel uh, 2.25. Uh, and it's, again, that, that redemption of once you've gone through that, because some of us just like to stay there and don't understand that God keeps us there for a season, but not for, that's not where we're supposed to live. And God's saying to the nation of Israel when they've wandered away, and, there's, uh, and He says, I will, I will repay you for the years that the locusts have eaten. And that really is number three, is to trust that God is still working. Trust God is still working. Uh, we read in Jonah 2.9, he says, what I have vowed I will make good, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And so even before God delivers him, even before uh, he's out of uh, the circumstance that he's in, he's saying, I believe that God will deliver me. And that really leads to number four, is that take your second chance. Uh, and we see that Jonah, it's, it's very interesting what happens. So he goes through all this tr trouble and turmoil and then the instruction is pretty simple. And I would say that we could find a parallel in our lives is that God usually brings us back to what he first told us to do. Uh, here's what we read. And the Lord commanded uh, the fish and it vomited Jonah up on dry land. I just like the, word, the fact that the word vomited is in the Bible. And, <laughs> I mean, you know, he was on the regurgitron. So the, then the word of the Lord uh, came to Jonah a second time. And you know what God said for him to do? He said, I just want you to do that same thing I had called you to do in the first place. Uh, and we see that he does get a second chance. He, it's messy all over again. Uh, read the book of the Bible if you uh, haven't read it before and you'll find out what happens. But here's one thing we see from this part of the Bible is Romans 9.33, obviously not talking about Jonah, but talking about us. The one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Uh, because, because here's the key truth, and this is one that I've tried to reiterate, and, and especially for those of you who've been raised in a, in a religious environment, is that God's not interested in paying you back, but in bringing you back. Uh, wherever you find yourself, and maybe uh, you say, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm here on a regular basis in church, and I'm doing stuff, and, and that's great, and that is a sign of, of God working in your life, but does he have your heart? But maybe for you, it's just like, hey, it's, uh, no, it's way beyond that. Uh, just wandering away. And it could be uh, a doubt. It could be a circumstance. One of the things we're doing in this series, Comeback, is we're not only looking at the great comeback uh, stories of the Bible. What we've been doing is we've been looking at uh, one, some of the many stories you see week after week who people come to Jesus, their lives are transformed, and we're visiting three, four, five, six, seven years later. Uh, was that just for a moment? Or did, is it true what it says in Philippians, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion? Uh, so I want you to hear uh, another one of these stories of Isaac and Bren as they share theirs. <laughs> 